0: Welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine. Meet him, greet him, treat him, and street him. Today's date is September 7th, 2017, and I am your skeptical host, Ken Milne. The title of today's podcast is Pin Cushion, Acupuncture in the Emergency Department. And our guest skeptic is Dr. Alfred Sicchetti. Al is a full-time practicing emergency physician who is also the chief of emergency medicine at Our Lady of Lords Medical Center in Camden, New Jersey. He's also an assistant clinical professor of emergency medicine and an active researcher. Now, this last part in the introduction, actually Al added it. He said that, in addition, Dr. Sacchetti is one of the few individuals to have lectured on the same panel with Dr. Milne and survived with his sanity and reputation intact. Thanks, Al. Welcome to the SGM.
1: Oh, it's nice to be here. And, and I must say, our crisis unit has quite a few people who have prominent careers uh, that tanked after being on a panel with you. So,
0: I try to be that nice skeptic, not that
1: harsh skeptic. <laughs> I don't think there is such a thing. Well, hey, do you remember when we first met? Uh, No, my therapist has got me working on clearing any of those really bad memories, um, so I I don't. Well, it was a really good memory for me
0: (laughs) because it was my actually very first ASAP. At least this is how I'm remembering. It was my first ASAP, and it was back in Boston. I think it was 2008, and my buddy Chris Carpenter said, Hey, hey, there's Al Saketti and I'm like, (gasps) And I was such a fanboy, so I I came up to you in the hallway and said, Can I get my picture taken with you? And you were gracious enough to let me do it. (laughs)
1: I, I find that hard to believe that anyone really wanted to have a picture taken with me, but if if that is your false memory, I'm going with it because that, that makes my ego feel a little bit better.
0: <laughs> well, it's so amazing to be able to work with all of these doctors that I've listened to on EMA over the years, and now I get to sit on the panel with them.
1: Well, I, actually, you know what, that is true. The, the, the first couple of times I I did the Emma things, uh, it was just like, I was just in awe of all, all the people on there. So yeah, it, it is actually pretty cool.
0: All right, so you brought us a case. So give us the case scenario that we're going to be talking about
1: today. All right, forty-one year old guy comes to the emergency department, and he's got an acute onset of some back pain. He was putting his groceries in the car and felt some twinge in his back. Goes home next day, gets a little bit worse. Gets out of bed. He's got no real red red flags in the history. He doesn't have cancer. He's got no bowel bladder problems, but he kind of comes in, he says, you know, I, I just, you know, really hurts, you know, and we talk about, well, it's probably muscle pain. You, you don't need any x-rays, those types of things. So we have that that typical argument. And he says, you know, well, what do you go do? It's like, well, we can, we're going to give you these meds, you know, you take it. Take it easy for a day or two, but we really want you up and moving around because if you just kind of climb into bed with some muscle relaxants, your, your body's going to think it wants to heal in a horizontal position. And we want you, you know, up and about so that your body heals in a, in a good position. He goes, well, you know, I got a buddy at work who, who gets acupuncture all the time uh, for his sinuses and stuff. He says, how about if you you, know, you do acupuncture on me? Uh, do you think that would work? Fortunately, at that time, somebody sicker came in, so I ran away from him and just, you know, wrote his discharge instructions and left it to the nurse to explain to him.
0: Well, one of the most common reasons to come to an emergency department is for pain. Unfortunately, pain is poorly controlled and inadequate pain control is called oligoanalgesia, and it's been recognized as a problem for
1: years. Yeah, I mean, especially like low back pain is an extremely common presentation to the ED, you know, about 2.7 million visits annually. Uh, the vast majority are pretty much benign, and it's, it's going to be a little bit of tincture of time. And but it it, it is frustrating, and, and you know, we, we all know. And whether it's it's pain or any type of of disability, it's like I want it fixed, and I want it fixed now. That's why I came to the emergency department. So yeah, it it would be nice to have a remedy that when you administered it in the emergency department, the person immediately walked out. You know, it's like reducing a joint or um. Uh, decompressing uh, urinary retention. It's like uh, immediate gratification for the patient and for the practitioner. Back pain doesn't kind of fit into this category.
0: Well, they've tried many different treatment modalities to to try to effectively treat low back pain. All with limited success. So they've tried acetaminophen, they've tried muscle relaxants, they've tried NSAIDs, they've tried benzodiazepines. Basically, they've thrown the kitchen sink at low back pain. And I am not recommending throwing a sink at someone with low back pain because I do not think that would help their low back pain.
1: Well, it's actually lifting the sink is probably some of the more common reasons. You know, you've seen someone hurt their back. Those things are heavy as hell. At any rate, yeah, and opioids are are pretty good, and, and I'm not opposed to using a, a day or two of of an opioid on back pain to just kind of get them up and moving around, because I think you know they, that kind of mindset of oh gee I'll, I'll get you moving, I'll get better blood flow into the areas is, is going to help. I don't know that there's phenomenally good data on it. There's certainly anecdotal data. Uh, I, I certainly don't want to put someone on six months of IV you know, morphine to treat their back pain. But I think a day or two of, of, of something might not be bad. Everybody says, though, it's NSAIDs, NSAIDs, or, you know, some NSAIDs and some acetaminophen is the way to go.
0: ASAP has some guidelines with the American Pain Society from 2007 on the use of opioids. They state opioids should be reserved for the severe disabling pain that is not controlled or not likely to be controlled with NSAIDs or acetaminophen. This will be a challenge considering the limited effectiveness of NSAIDs and acetaminophen.
1: Yeah, I I think everybody's gotten, and I don't want to get into the whole opioid debate, but everybody's like terrified that if you you give someone, you know, a a single dose of oxycodone, you know, the the next day they'll be selling their car and shooting up heroin in a corner. I, I think, you know, to get someone up and just out and we've we've all seen these people who they clearly have muscular skeletal back pain but they're just in agony i I don't see any reason to 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 not you know say look i can take your pain away i can get you moving enough to get out to your car and get back home is is a bad approach to these things but it's not a long-term approach and if there is a better approach and i'm and i'm open i have a really open mind i'm 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 a true early adopter on things so I'll, i'll try anything Something like acupuncture came along and it worked. I'd be like, hey, I'm on board with this. You know, I, I, I get to do a procedure. I love doing procedures with sharp, pointy things. That's why we're emergency physicians. Um, and I'd say, you yeah, let's give it a whirl. I don't know. I'm not sure acupuncture is going to work here.
0: Well, acupuncture is part of traditional Chinese medicine that's been around for thousands of years, and it's based on the idea that the body has this life force flowing through meridians that are called qi or qi, and disease and illness are a result of qi or qi being blocked. So acupuncture is a method of placing needles into the skin to unblock the flow of qi through the meridians to restore balance to the body.
1: You hear that explanation and you, you roll your eyes. was like, oh, my God, what a bunch of woo here. The difficulty is that you got to step back to when it was developed. And, you know, their understanding of physiology is not the same as ours is now. So their explanation might sound a bit ridiculous, but it doesn't mean that their the mechanism doesn't necessarily work. I mean, there's lots of stuff that, you know, chewing on, you know, tree bark was not supposed to make any sense until you found out that the pharmacology, you know, worked it through and said, oh, my God, there's, you know, aspirin in the, the tree bark. And that's why you got pain relief by chewing on it. So, that, you know, the, the, the concept of, oh, gee, let's just get rid of the, the acupuncture because it's it's based on this kind of mystical thing may not be accurate. The problem is if there is a physiologic basis to it, if there is a more 2017 scientific basis for it, you know, it may just work. I mean, nothing's to say that, you know, in in, uh, 300 years, people are going to say, oh, my God, and they they believe that, you know, the the contraction of the heart circulated the blood around. How foolish were they? It was actually a gravitational field. But here comes the skeptics part of it. Regardless of how it's supposed to work, now the question is, does it work? Does sticking the needles in here, whether it works through chi and it really exists or whether it it produces some reflex um, feedback mechanisms on cutaneous nerves that inhibits the pain, does sticking a needle in certain parts of the body work? And the problem is there's no good placebo-controlled study looking at acupuncture that's shown it's worked. There's lots and lots and lots and lots of observational data out there. Then we took Mr. Smith and he had this problem and we did this you know, we suck a bunch of pins here and his problem got better. But when you look at that, there's so much attention being, uh, I guess, presented to Mr. Smith with his problem that there's there's got to be a large psychological component to it. So, you know, if you take Mr. Smith and you do like sham acupuncture on him, we take a bunch of. Uh, needles and you you do correct acupuncture and on the other side, you just take a bunch of, of um, toothpicks and randomly put a little pressure on his skin, you know, but spend the exact same amount of time with them and the exact same, you know, scripted conversation with them. You're going to feel this pain here. Now, now you're going to feel that pain in your back Start to relax. Isn't it relaxing a little bit? Those tests tend to show that there is no difference between the sham acupuncture and the real acupuncture. But when you do it against, hi, Mr. Smith, there's, um, you know, you got a bad back problem, go home, versus I'm going to spend a half hour with you twisting needles in your back and hooking some electrodes up to it, and we're going to talk about taking you to your favorite place and thinking about things and adding on all those other things that we know help someone with a, a chronic problem or an acute problem even. Uh, acupuncture kind of fails. Well, what's the clinical question we're going to try to
0: answer on today's show?
1: Well, Let's see, if if I have someone come into the emergency department, can I use acupuncture to get pain control to an equivalent level as um, pharmacologically treating them? And what's the reference that we have? Uh, A guy by the name of Cohen et al. uh, did acupuncture for analgesia in the emergency department, a multi-center randomized equivalence and non-inferiority trial.
0: All right, let's run through the PICO. What population were they looking at?
1: Well, they had a bunch of people who presented to one of four emergency departments at least eight, and the patients were at least 18 years old. The emergency departments were probably older than 18 years. I'm not sure. Uh, But the patients had low back pain. The emergency departments didn't. Uh, And they either had low back pain, migraines, or ankle sprains when an acupuncturist was present in the department.
0: Now, they had a number of exclusions. And if the treating physician felt that it was inappropriate to include the patient due to signs of illness or had a number of other factors, they were excluded. And we'll put the details in the show notes. What was the intervention?
1: Well, you had one of three arms. You either got acupuncture, acupuncture plus pharmacotherapy, or pharmacotherapy. And then they had some outcomes. What was their primary outcome? This gets a little weird. They had a reduction in a verbal numeric rating scale, VNRS, at one hour, and then clinical significance they defined as a VNRS of less than four and statistical significance is a VNRS decrease of two or more. Uh, it's a little bit weird that they used a verbal scale and didn't use the, you know, the, the typical, you know, uh, visual, uh, analog scale. Uh, and then they had some secondary outcomes, which was functionality of 48 hours, adverse events, use of rescue medications, and acceptability of the treatment and health resource use. So the author's conclusions
0: were, quote, the effectiveness of acupuncture in providing acute analgesia for patients with back pain and ankle sprain was comparable with that of pharmacotherapy. Acupuncture is a safe and acceptable form of analgesia, but none of the examined therapies provided optimal acute analgesia. More effective options are needed, end of quote. Okay, Al, let's run through the 11 quality checklist questions for randomized clinical trials. The first one is, are these emergency department patients? Yep. Did they randomize them
1: adequately? Uh, I guess so. The the only problem being that they only did it when the, um, uh, the acupuncturist was there.
0: Well, how about the randomization process itself? Was it concealed? Yes. And did they analyze the groups in which they were randomized? Yes. How about consecutive recruitment?
1: Again, this is, is where I guess we, I alluded to it a little bit earlier. Um, it's a little bit difficult because they, they only did it when the acupuncturist was there. Now, if the acupuncturist was randomly there, that would be fine, but we don't know that. So we're, we're going to leave that one as a, a duh, I don't know. All
0: right. Question six. The patients in groups were similar with respect to prognostic factors. Yep. Were all participants unaware of group allocation?
1: No, um, this is kind of tough because it, it's a single-blinded study and the participants and the acupuncturists they, they didn't blind them at all to the intervention. Uh, the outcome assessors were blinded to the treatment allocations and the acupuncturists to the pharmacy use. All right, question eight. All groups were treated equally except for the intervention. No, no, that's, that's a problem. The pharmacotherapy group was at the discretion of the, uh, the treating physician. And how about their follow-up? Was it complete? Yeah, actually pretty good.
0: All right. And all patient important outcomes, were they considered? They were. And the last and final question, the treatment effect, was it large enough and precise enough to be clinically significant? No. I'm
1: going to give them a no on that one.
0: All right. Let's run through the key results. There were 528 patients included in the study, and they had a mean age of about 41 years, and it was about a 50-50 male-female split. Just over half the patients presented with low back pain with 17% having migraines and 31% with ankle sprains.
1: What was their primary outcome, Al? Uh, Well, here it is. No difference in clinical or statistically relevant reduction of pain at one hour between groups.
0: Yeah, all three groups had terrible reduction in pain. Acupuncture only, acupuncture pharmacotherapy, or pharmacotherapy alone. Less than 20% had a clinical reduction to less than four, and less than 40% had a statistical reduction of pain, and that was considered a greater than two-point drop on that scale. I'll put a table in the show notes, though, with all the details. How about
1: the secondary outcomes? This is where it gets a little bit strange that they would say that acupuncture you know, performed equivalently. The, the acupuncture groups needed uh, rescue medications 25% of the time versus 15% for the um, pharmacotherapy group but the adverse events were the same that you know, sticking needles in, you didn't seem to cause any more problems. It's 51% versus 54%.
0: And the details for the functionality at 48 hours and the acceptability of the treatment and health resources, you can check out the manuscript for that. All right, that's it for the key results. Now let's take some time and get a little nerdy. Now there were a number of concerns we had with this study. Instead of my usual five issues. I've expanded it so both Al and I can discuss five issues. And I have an extra special guest for the SGM audience. After Al and I recorded this, I reached out to the authors of this study and was able to connect with one of the authors, and his name is Dr. Michael Ben-Mir. Now, Michael is a full-time emergency physician and ED director and does research. I don't know how he does it all. So he's going to help us understand the study to a greater depth by addressing some of our concerns. I'm going to have to splice it in here because we've already recorded the other audio. So first of all, Michael, thank you very much for coming on the SGEM.
2: It's a pleasure. Thanks for reaching out. And um, it's always heartening when people are interested in your research. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it.
0: And this is one of the things I love about FOMED and free open access to medical education. Social media has shrunk the world. I just finished a day shift. It's in the evening now. Had my supper. And you're in Melbourne. And it's, what, 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning. You're getting your day started. And yet we're able to connect.
2: Yeah, it's fabulous. I know. I downloaded Skype for the first time on my mobile phone. and. Um, now my poor children have to wait for me before we can go out in the street and kick the football, but that's okay.
0: Well, I hope they're not waiting too long. So we're going to go through 10 things, like I've said on the podcast, so you're going to respond to each one of our concerns to understand the research better.
1: Yeah, the, the first one that, that really concerned me, Ken, was the blinding. And one of the major issues with this design was its, its lack of blinding. It's only single blind. The patient knew they were getting acupuncture. And the the big thing with acupuncture, and what a lot of of its critics say, is uh, it is so uh, attentive to the patient that it's very possible that it's the attention itself that's producing the effect, not just the needles. It's it's a very hands-on intervention. And there's a huge placebo effect that goes along with that. So the, this placebo sector has got to have some biases in the study that's going to favor it in, in terms of acupuncture. I mean, there's a lot of data that says if you go into the room and you sit down at the bedside and, and, you know, spend a few more minutes with the patient, that the patient has a better experience and a better perception of their outcome. Well, you've got to have spent a whole lot more time with the patient doing the acupuncture than just walking in and said, here, swallow this pill.
2: Yeah, well, with respect to blinding, I guess the nature of researching acupuncture is that (laughs) you cannot doubly blind. Some trials are now using a laser and the laser can be blinded. So the operator uh, can be handed a machine that either uh, is using laser or is just using red light. So in the next gen of acupuncture research with laser, um, you can double blind. So instead of um, applying a laser to the acupuncture point, you're just applying a red light and then the treating doctor and the patient are none the wiser. We chose to use needles, however, in this study. There isn't a lot of research out there with laser acupuncture. There's one meta-analysis that was published in The Lancet about six or seven years ago for neck pain, chronic neck pain with laser that came out positive. But there's not much else. And our decision and I guess our anecdotal experience of using acupuncture in the emergency departments with the needles tend to generate more of an endorphin release in the spinal cord. That's one of the known mechanisms of acupuncture efficacy as an analgesic. And we decided that given the pragmatic nature of this trial, we wanted to give it the best possible effect that it could have. And so we went down the path of needles and therefore you're going to lose your double blinding. Um, It's just not possible.
0: The second point we wanted to talk about was a control group. The lack of a sham control group to minimize this placebo effect, which you just talked about, is another major problem with this study. It would have been a much stronger study if there was a sham acupuncture group. However, you mentioned earlier that there has been a previous study using toothpicks as a sham acupuncture, and it showed no difference between real acupuncture and sham acupuncture.
2: Yeah, in regards to the control group, yeah, there have been a lot of varieties of sham. There have been some needles um, developed that are um, non-penetrating, but nonetheless give a slight prick sensation. There's been the toothpick one you mentioned. Our analysis of the most of them, and I think the general consensus within acupuncture research groups is that sham is essentially a debunked method of control. Um, there are a number of reasons for this. Any kind of painful skin sensation is known to generate some serotonin release in the midbrain, which will give you some diffuse noxious inhibitory control. That's the mechanism of the analgesia within the spinal cord and may or may not also give some beta-endorphin at the um, nerve root level of the spinal cord. And that's why a lot of those studies come out even. Uh, Additionally, a lot of the methodological approaches of those studies are flawed in that the point selection and the like are challenged on a number of different um, acupuncturist theory bases. So we we didn't want to use a sham for that reason. And the second main reason is we didn't think it was eth- ethical to be providing a treatment to people arriving in an emergency department that had no real basis in in um, efficacy, um, so to be providing a placebo uh, and no analgesia, and we didn't think we would get that past, past ethics. Um, so that that was the main reason. And also we were... Kind of interested in doing more of a pragmatic trial, whereby we wanted to see how this would work in real life, in a real ED um, with a very mixed population. And as you may well, I'm sure you know better than I, the the you know the heavily controlled, randomized, double blinded trials exclude so many that the applicability to the general population that you see at any point in time in an emergency department. Can really be quite minimal in reality, and yet um, we rely on that evidence to, to go well beyond the scope of uh, the actual patient groups they were treating in those trials. So we thought, yes, there are limitations to a, a non blinded, non placebo control, an inferiority pragmatic trial, but we thought it probably had more direct meaning to someone practicing in an immune department than something much more controlled
1: and number three would be the strawman they picked uh it's another problem with the design uh with they're comparing multiple non-effective therapies uh to each other so they provide no real valuable information to the clinician i mean the primary outcome was to reduce the pain at one hour. And there was no difference between the groups, less than 40% getting a pain reduction of two points or more on their scale. About 85% of the patients still had pain ratings above four on their VNRS in all the groups.
2: Yeah, in, in terms of the idea that this was a straw man trial, Yeah, I I guess there's, I'm not going to argue with that. I don't think the trials suggest that anything works well for back pain. But we've all looked after people in severe back pain um, and they're in strife. These people are deeply uncomfortable and deeply distressed. And, you know, I I don't think standing at the side of the bed and saying, we're not going to give you anything (laughs) at all, is is a good solution for them. And I also, the more I reflect on this trial and the more I read some uh, more pain research coming out of emergency departments, I wonder if our primary outcome measure tools are actually fundamentally flawed. The pain score itself as a measure, I guess we're finding in some very large trials in Australia, I haven't read a lot of the um, North American literature uh, lately, that Adequacy of analgesia does not correlate with patient satisfaction with analgesia, right? Now, what's going on there? You know, some of the recent studies I've read—the thing that most correlates with patient satisfaction is compassion or caring, right? Maybe our primary outcome measure of pain score in an hour is flawed. Um, that's possible maybe what people really want is not necessarily the pain to go away but to be heard and to be cared for and to be understood and that in and of itself is highly valuable to them and we should get out of what we think we are trying to do for them which is get that pain score down and listen to them and find out really what is it that you fundamentally want out of this situation. So I think um, our trial, a lot of other trials and a lot of new trials that have that are really finding that the care and compassion is the primary correlate with what patients like, are really interesting. Our trial was interesting in that despite, you know, what we would consider poor analgesia or, or inadequate analgesia or oligo-analgesia, between 78 and 82% were very satisfied or satisfied with the treatment they got and would repeat it. And that was trending towards more in the acupuncture alone group who got no analgesia at all. Um, so they were 82%. The um, analgesia or standard care alone was 78%. Now, all high, not statistically significantly uh, significant differences, but very satisfied with the care that they got nonetheless, despite, <laughs> as, as the results show, um, high pain scores at T1. So I think there's um, more to unpick out of this trial and pain trials in in NED in general um, before we, you know, throw everything we've got in our toolkit away and say none of this works.
0: The fourth point was about opioid sparing, and in your uh, manuscript, you suggested that this was one of the rationales for doing it was to spare opioids, uh, especially considering what's happening in many countries. However, the rescue medication was an opioid, and it was 10% higher in the acupuncture-only group.
2: That's true, and I think on the basis of that, we, we've, we've recommended that acupuncture is an is a option and rather than first line. But nonetheless, you know, 75% of those patients that got acupuncture alone didn't require any other analgesia at all. So in that sense, in that very large group of patients, uh, I can't remember the exact numbers. I think we a third of five sixty seventy five 75% of that number got no analgesia other than the acupuncture and were very satisfied with that. So in that sense, that group would have normally fallen into standard care and been given, whether it be um, oxycodone or codeine or a non-steroidal panadol combination, um, got none of that. So I think in that sense, it, it was quite effectively sparing Nonetheless, there were those, you know, significant percentage and statistically significant percentage that needed rescue. I think a flaw in our design, which we didn't anticipate, though, was um, that the standard care alone group was not offered acupuncture as rescue. They were only offered IV oprah as rescue. We really should have built that in as an option. And it may have changed the uh, outcome in that regard.
1: Yeah. I, the other problem I have is the, the consecutive patients. We're not quite sure if these are consecutive patients presenting to the emergency department or not. The patients are included only when an acupuncturist was present. We're not sure if the acupuncturist work nights, weekends, or holidays. And the patients presenting at different days of the week and times of the day could present, represent a totally different population.
2: Yeah, so in in regards to consecutive patients, it was a convenient sample, no doubt, in that we had those with skills to provide the acupuncture at certain points in the day. We did um, definitely mix up the days of the week uh, and the times of the day. Uh, We never had anyone in the department after midnight. Uh, Between midnight and seven, I think, were not hours where we could confidently staff with an acupuncturist. But otherwise, we did... Make sure the hours were an even mix. Uh, I think we got a very good representative sample uh, across four different sites over a couple of years with that method. Um, And again, it feeds into the pragmatic nature of this trial. Like at any point in the day, you you may not have a a high-skilled sonographer on staff same in this scenario not all your immune physicians you know if we all decide to learn this skill uh, are all going to have it are all going to learn it so it's never going to be a hundred percent available in any department at any time I imagine
0: Point six was selection bias. They did exclude patients if the treating physician felt inclusion was inappropriate because of signs of illness or if the patient had one of a number of other exclusions that were listed back in our PICO. This could have introduced selection bias.
2: I think in terms of selection bias, we felt it important that the treating physician had control over whether or not their patient was enrolled in a trial. As you will know, enrolling people in an emergency department setting is a difficult scenario. They are not expecting this. And these people are in pain, and by nature of this trial, they're in a lot of pain, and that can engender a whole lot of issues, including anxiety uh, and inability to sit still. And we left it with the treating physician to, one, determine if they are appropriate, and two, if they felt that this person just needed IV opiate immediately and they wanted to exclude them from enrolling in a trial that we left it at their discretion so it may have pulled out some of the very very severe agitated pain population but to be honest I don't think they're appropriate in order to get acupuncture you need to lie still for about 20 minutes and that that's the nature of the treatment so Certain treatments are not going to be appropriate for everyone. Having said that, of those we screened, a significant proportion were enrolled. You know, I think it was over 60%. So I think in that sense, it was successful and well pitched. The reason we ruled out, you know, those with a fever, those on anticoagulation, you know, it was really around safety. These are people that clearly don't have the target issue that we're looking for or, Uh, Have risks associated with putting a lot of needles in them So uh, that was the reason we excluded them and they should be excluded in practice as well
1: The other thing is is a little bit strange and I I can't say this is uh, a real Objective criticism, but it's something that always raises an eyebrow which is the study was done in 2010-2011 but got published in 2017 and you got to wonder why the reason for the delay and I'm going to bet it has something to do with, you know, the, the, the big um, attention being ab- applied to the opioid um, problem that we have now. And now all of a sudden this study that said acupuncture has the potential to be as effective as opioids, you know, all of a sudden has more of an interest to the editors than it did back in 2010.
2: I guess the delay in publication was a frustration to all concerned and we started data collection 2010 we finished I think end of 2012 and probably had a paper complete and ready to submit by early 2014. We thought we had a positive trial a highly novel trial at that this was the biggest uh, acupuncture trial in emergency departments in the world and I think remains so. So we thought we would go the top tier journals to start with, and we went to Lancet, and then we went to BMJ. And BMJ was very, very close. We The good thing about BMJ is they <laughs> is they they gave the details of all our reviewers' reviews, and they were very interesting and, and um, solid reviews. It was their opinion in the end that it should go to a specialty journal. We had difference of opinion around that, and we then went to the um, Medical Journal of Australia. From the time we submitted to Medical Journal of Australia to the time it was published in June 2017 it was 18 months. But there was a lot of back and forth, and not to be paranoid in any way or accept uh, suggest that there's any kind of uh, bias against acupuncture in medical spheres but it is it felt that way (laughs) Um, and uh, it, it was an interesting process but quite a robust one I must say
0: all right let's talk about the disease entities chosen they chose to look at low back pain migraine and ankle sprains and there could be considerable variability in subject perception of pain and degree of pain with these types of medical conditions and you had a story about spraining your ankle
1: yeah i mean you know if if i sprain my ankle and you sprain your ankle you're um uh, a bit more athletic than me so i sprained my ankle um running to the refrigerator during a commercial in the voice and uh, you sprain your ankle while, while rock climbing somewhere in the uh, Canadian Rockies, you know, we're probably not going to have the exact same degree of pain. And and I think saying, you know, like, my pain is the same as yours is a little bit difficult. The other thing, though, is look at the, the other problems, low back pain and migraine. Both of those are really susceptible to hands-on techniques to address them. There's tons of articles that, that show that, massage therapy and and physiotherapy for back pain irrespective of whether you're doing it correctly or not has a positive effect on the patient's perception of their pain and this may just be the same thing yeah we we
2: tried to pick three different varieties of pain so nociceptive type processes physiologically you know, migraine is, is very different from mechanical lumbar back pain, which is different from acute ankle sprain um, to a certain extent. So we were looking, one, to see if there was different effects within the groups, and then, two, to look overall. So um, unfortunately, migraine, we didn't quite get enough enrolled to determine if it was affected within the migraine group. Lumbar back pain, we went way over in numbers, So we, which I guess reflects the uh, emergency medicine cohort also people in my, with migraine by the time they get to an ED are several days down the track often, and you know we excluded those over 72 hours. We just didn't think we were going to have an effect. and also they're very they're usually very distressed and and rarely consent to um, acute research it was our experience in this trial anyway. So the th- that was the rationale around the the three different types of pain. I think we can only draw conclusions around ankle sprain and back pain. I think it also reflected uh, preliminary research and the pilot studies we'd done. One of my co-investigators um, had done a lot of work with ankle sprain and had a very large case control cohort of ankle sprain patients, and he felt that there was a lot of legs in uh, pardon the pun, in using uh, um, acupuncture on ankle sprain. Back pain, I guess we included because it's such a ubiquitous problem for emergency departments. It's something we don't do that well. They stay in our departments for a very long time and uh, we wanted to see if we could have an impact in that group. And migraine, because it's just a difficult problem as well and, and they're distressed So and, and a different um, pain pathogenesis as well. So th- that was the that's a long answer to a short question.
1: <laughs> Number nine is length of stay. Use of acupuncture did not uh, increase the ED length of stay, at, at which I find a little bit difficult. However, it would take the ED physician additional time to perform the acupuncture. And what about all the other patients in the ED and the time spent doing the, the, the acupuncture would delay the emergency physician from managing other patients? We've all been there where there's a procedure we really like to do, but the ER is backed up and, and you're like stalling until your, your double coverage comes in so you could take you know five minutes to go and do a procedure. I can't see on a busy day running out to the, the prompt care area and having somebody who sprained their ankle playing basketball on Sunday and then laying them down and doing a, a formal acupuncture treatment of them. In the meantime, the belly pains and the, the other patients are, are backing up in the emergency department. It may not have impacted that patient's length of stay, but I would like to see what happened to the total length of stay in the emergency department. And if it's not the emergency physician doing the acupuncture, because it's going to take some additional training, how long does it take to, for you to get a consultant down to your emergency department? It's like, can we step page the acupuncturist down here? Uh, they're, they're busy doing a couple cases in the OR. Uh, they'll be down in about an hour and a half. Um, Mr. Jones, we're going to have you wait here for a couple hours for um the acupuncturist to get free. They're, they're, you know, providing uh, anesthesia for a, uh, abdominal aortic aneurysm, but they'll be done in a couple hours. Length of stay was a really important measure for us. All departments operate under a lot of uh, pressure
2: to, to have patient flow. And one, we didn't want to be introducing anything that was going to slow that down. And if it was, we wanted to know about it. And two, um, I guess, uh, in my mind, I thought we might even affect it positively if if it were a strongly effective treatment. So we looked at length of stay of the individual patients. In terms of doing the acupuncture, there were two different models. We had emergency physicians at two sites and Chinese medical practitioners at two sites. Part of another analysis was to see if there were a difference between those providing uh, acupuncture who were Chinese medically trained as opposed to Western medically trained, And, and there wasn't. But that was a separate uh, interest, more for the um, acupuncture community rather than the emergency medicine community. For an emergency physician to do acupuncture, it's a very quick process. It's 20 minutes for the patient, but it's about five minutes for the physician. So you go in, you put the needles in, and then you leave them in for 20 minutes and go away, come back, take them out. So it doesn't actually take a lot of your time. I think the numbers would have been way too small to actually assess what effect that had on the length of stay of all the other patients in the emergency department. There would have only been one, max two at any one time in a department, say, that had 20 or 30 patients. Um, So I don't think we could have drawn any conclusion on what effect this had on the rest of the department's length of stay, to be honest. And we didn't look at it as well, to be honest. I think the fact that it didn't slow us down is a positive. I was actually hoping it might speed us up, <laughs> but we didn't show that either.
0: All right, well, the last point was safety. They claim that acupuncture is safe. Only 355 patients in this study received acupuncture. So this study is too small to detect a rare complication, and there have been reports of serious complications with acupuncture treatment Including death.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I'm pretty dangerous with long, sharp objects in my hands. And, you know, I don't know that anyone would be willing to have me walk in with a fist full of long needles and not expect that something bad's going to happen.
2: Yeah, regarding the um, safety of acupuncture, in the literature, there are case reports. Of some serious side effects Uh, no doubt about it you have very small needles there and solid core 30 gauge Um, but some of the points that are commonly used such as um, over the midpoint of trapezius in the wrong hands will give a pneumothorax for example in a very skinny person there's one case report in the literature when I last looked which is about four or so years ago of a death and that was use of a needle at the midpoint of the sternum. There's a small percentage of the population that has a foramen at the midpoint of their sternum, and this acupuncturist went way too deep and went straight through sternum, straight through pericardium, and caused a pericardial tamponade. Now, these are incredibly rare, incredibly rare. I would say that an IV line has significantly more risk of death than than acupuncture but we would never balk at putting one in someone if we thought they needed analgesia or antibiotic or fluid Uh, and we wouldn't even consent them to put an iv line in no i don't know about you but i don't consent anyone for an iv line so i think acupuncture while you'll read case reports in literature it's a particularly safe intervention Yes, we only treated 300 or so and found no um, side effects. I would suggest that if we treated 3,000 or 30,000, we would probably find a similar outcome. In the right hands, and my argument is, you know, emergency physicians are the right hands. We know our surface anatomy extremely well. Um, We know how to put needles in people extremely well. And we know when they're going in safe and when they're not. And we know what structures are underlying them, whether they're nerves, vessels, pleura, pericardium. Um, so we, uh, we're a safe pair of hands and, and acupuncture in an emergency physician's hands, I think, is extremely safe. So, yes, I guess from a purist's perspective, we didn't have enough to say that with any certainty, but from someone that's experienced this for a very long time i'm i'm pretty confident this is a safe <laughs> procedure and i guess what's more important in my mind is it was extremely well tolerated and there were a you know significant number 82 percent of the acupuncture only were were very happy to have this treatment again <laughs>
0: Well, that's it for our 10 nerdy questions. I really want to thank Michael for you for coming on and answering uh, some of the points that we were making and and giving us a better understanding of your perspective and why you made certain choices. But I want to leave you with an open-ended question. Is there anything else that you want to talk about or say that we haven't covered or that you would like the s to know?
2: Um. Well, I guess there's a couple of things. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. And, you know, it's always good to be able to talk about your work and, and have someone interested in it. What I would say is, you know, an open mind is a good thing. And if, if we're increasingly finding that a lot of what we do is ineffective and yet commonly we will continue to do it, I don't know many people that stop giving paracetamol for back pain or non-steroidals for back pain or endone for back pain. And if we found something that's equivalent to that, I I would challenge people to think about why we're not providing this more widely, given it's, it's cheap. It's something we could learn how to do relatively quickly and simply, and it's well tolerated and it's low risk. I would challenge people to say, well, why aren't we're doing this more. Yeah, and another point I would, I would like to make is um, about a year and a half ago, I had some pretty nasty S1 nerve root compression and sciatic pain and I couldn't um, sit down for two months. And when I looked at the literature and when my um, treating physician looked at the literature, you know, we were pretty honest in, in telling each other that if we were going to go via evidence, there was nothing she could give me that was going to be effective. So I was just going to have to go home and suffer in silence and either wait, you know, the six to eight weeks uh, or six months that it would take to get me the same outcome as a microdiscectomy or lots of medication or steroid, all of which were going to give me the same outcome as nothing. And I think it's the nature of people to want to do something and it's the nature of physicians to want to be able to provide something for their patients. And a microdiscectomy is a fairly (laughs) invasive, significant step. And I would say, in the in the pathway towards attempting to help our patients, shouldn't the lowest risk, least invasive, lowest complication rate intervention, even if it's got no evidence, be the first thing you'd
0: try? Well, that finishes up the nerdy section. Let's let's comment on the author's conclusions and compare them to the sgem's conclusion.
1: Yeah, I, I think I agree that we need more options. You know, back pain is a huge problem and we don't manage it well. And same thing with migraines. We we have good pharmacological therapy for migraines, but not great. And sprained ankles, it's, you know, that's a crapshoot. Most of the time, immobilizing and getting them off of it, they do just fine. So I don't think this is an area where we need it to focus uh, a lot of, of um, new research on, on coming up with, with options to treat that. But the, I kind of disagree that, that with their conclusion that acupuncture is effective. It's, the study was unblinded. It was a non-inferiority trial that provides some evidence that acupuncture has a placebo effect, but I'm not sure there's any good evidence that there's anything beyond that. I mean, I can't, based on the study, I can't tell you it doesn't work. What I can tell you is it's no better than what we have out there now is I think the only conclusion you can come, you could draw from this research. All right. Well
0: then give us a bottom line, something to take to work.
1: Uh, Something to take to work. Um, You know, coffee is usually pretty good. Um, You know, something with caffeine helps. And you know, if it's going to be a long shift, something with the, the sugar, that's not just pure sugar right away. Something that'll, you know, complex carbohydrate that'll leave. Oh, Oh, you mean about the article? Oh, um, I'm sorry. Basically, there's no high-quality evidence that acupuncture works for patients presenting to the emergency department with back pain, ankle sprains, or migraines.
0: Well, can you resolve the case that you presented at the beginning of the show?
1: I sat down with with a gentleman, and, and I've my my normal scripted uh, explanation of back pain, and I want you to get, get up and moving about and all. And I set his expectations. It's going to take time. I, also recognizing that back pain can be... Uh, even without the red flags, can be of something serious. So gave him all the instructions, you know, bower or bladder problems, persistent weakness, anything that changes, I want you to come back, you know, those types of things. But otherwise, it's a matter of really setting his expectations. You're going to be sore for a couple of days. It's going to get gradually better. Typical muscle sprains, about 72 hours is going to be the peak of your soreness. You know, if you if you work at a job that requires you to, strenuous activity. We're probably going to have to limit you for a couple of days, but this will be gone. I know, If it lasts beyond you know three, four days and you're that debilitated and you can't get control with the NSAIDs and the acetaminophen, then we're going to have to move you on to have somebody else take a look at you. But at this point, it looks pretty much like you got muscle spasm. And the guy was perfectly happy with that. He said, you know, that's kind of what I figured. I just wanted wanted to know if there was anything you could give me to kind of help me through this.
0: All right. How are you going to take this information from this recent publication and apply it clinically?
1: I'm not. I, I don't know that we have an acupuncturist on staff. I, I, I believe we actually do have someone who is loosely affiliated with a hospital that we can send people to for acupuncture. But uh, unless I see some better evidence, uh, I'm probably not going to offer this as an option to to somebody at at this point in the emergency department. Although I I think if we have someone who is frequently in there, it may not be that bad of an idea to take that person and say, well, look, you know, none of our therapies we've recommended for you have worked over the last six, seven months. You know, we've worked you up. We find you have a benign condition. Let's send you to our acupuncturist and give them a referral there. Uh, It may just be that for this individual, the, the combination of the procedure and the the attention and the, the everything around it may be what they need.
0: All right, so you've covered a bit of this in the case resolution, but what are you gonna tell the patient?
1: Oh, when he asked for the acupuncture? Mm-hmm. If he asked specifically for acupuncture, what I would say to him is, there's no good evidence that it works for your particular problem, and I I don't have that as an option to give you right now. Uh, I would say let's go with our traditional management. Uh, we'll go with the NSAIDs. We'll go with the acetaminophen and see how you do with that. If you want to, to pursue acupuncture, you're going to have to work through your family doctor or some other referral source for it right now.
0: Are you going to touch on the opioid issue?
1: On most patients when I'm dealing with addressing a pain issue, I do touch on the opioid issue. If I think that their pain is significant – and they would benefit from an opioid. I'm going to tell them you would benefit from this, and, and a short course is not going to turn you into an addict. If I don't think their pain warranted, I will tell them I don't think your condition will do any better with opioids than they will with the NSAIDs or acetaminophen or, or some other type of therapy, and explain why I don't think it's the appropriate management for them. In this case, I would dis- discuss the opioids with him, and if his pain was severe enough. I would rec- you know recommend a, a day or two of it. Uh, his case, in his case, it was not. He did not he was fine with the um, just the NTEDs we gave him in the emergency department.: All right, it's time
0: for the Keener contest, and last week's winner was Roberto Casantini. Do you think I said that right?:
1: And uh, no, no, not a shot in hell.
0: All right. um, He knew that Joseph Priestley is credited with discovering oxygen. What's the Keener contest question this week?
1: All right. You ready? How are barefoot doctors connected with the story of acupuncture?
0: Well, if you know the answer, then send an email to thesgem at gmail.com with Keener in the subject line. The first correct answer will receive a cool skeptical prize. Now, there is some other FOMED resources on acupuncture being used in the emergency department and reviewed this study specifically, as well as some other resources on acupuncture in general. I want to thank you, Al, for coming on the SGEM.
1: It was a pleasure. Actually, I have to say, uh, doing this uh, over Skype is a lot less painful than sitting next to you on a panel. (laughs) Well, is there anything else you'd like to say before we end the show? No, they just thank you very much, Ken, and, and I really, really uh, appreciate uh, the invitation, but even more than that, I appreciate the work you do, um, and, and it's your skeptics guide and your approach to a, um, a skeptical uh, eye, putting a skeptical eye on the, the medical literature really does help considerably, because I, I frequently will quote you and, and your work when I, the residents come running in with the latest, hottest, greatest uh, article that we should be using.
0: Oh, thanks, Al.
1: I appreciate that. Could you give the SGM tagline? Yeah, this is a little bit difficult. I gotta. Uh, all right, let me give it a shot because you got to do this with enough enthusiasm. <clears throat> let, me see I, let me see if I can do it with a um, uh, an authoritative voice. Remember to be skeptical of anything you learn, even if you heard it on the Skeptics Guide to Emergency Medicine. Sounds more like Batman than anything. Batman doing the uh, <laughs> Skeptics Guide. <laughs> We'll we'll talk to everyone
0: next week.